You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The Proverbs of Solomon, Son of David, King of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Before we dive into some of the Proverbs of the Word of God, let us hear some of the dad jokes of the world that we love. I visited the doctor this week. He told me I was going deaf. It was really hard news to hear. To help me relax, the doctor said, look, you need to drink a glass of warm milk after a hot bath. But I said, I can even barely finish drinking the hot bath. I saw a robber the other day. He was uh, breaking into his own home. I figured he was just working from home. <laughs> uh, my colleagues, you know, working from home, have been doing a little bit of work on Zoom. Uh, it's been good. Um, Zoom meetings. I noticed, though, um, that before Zoom meetings, my colleagues, they'd laugh at all my jokes. But in Zoom meetings, they don't laugh at my jokes. And I asked one of them why, and he said, mate, you're not remotely funny. He also told me, he said, mate, you've got no sense of direction, do you? I said, bro, where did that come from? Uh, But it made me think deeply. um, I've been thinking about my New Year's resolution already. Um, I've decided I'm going to watch all of my YouTube videos in 1080p. That's my New Year's resolution. Do I read that one? Oh, that's a bit dodgy. I don't know what I thought when I was writing that. <laughs> yeah, read it. I've been told I have two major faults. I don't listen and something else. And someone said to Esther the other day, my wife, she said, you need to start embracing your mistakes. So she came home and she gave me a hug. All right. <laughs> anyway, these are short little pithy sayings. They're fun. There's a bit of a turn of phrase. We enjoy them. Uh, as a church, we are starting in the book of Proverbs, which is also full of other little short pithy sayings. There is some comedy. There is some life. There is some, there is some laughter. Uh, but it's, it takes a very different uh, tone to what those dad jokes have been. So as you start this sermon series today, uh, the book of Proverbs, I wonder if you have ever thought or had this uh, question run around in your mind, I wonder how I could live better. 
I wonder how I could make good decisions. I wonder how to figure out what should come next. If that's you, then welcome to the next few weeks in the book of Proverbs. This is a book that will urge you to be wise, to ask, what is wise in the way that I'm to act right now? It makes me think of uh, The Office. Dwight Schrute sits back in his chair in the, in the office interview and he says, the best advice that I ever got was, Dwight, don't be an idiot. So whenever I think of, whenever I'm about to do something, I ask, would an idiot do that? And if he would, I don't do that thing. That's like a pretty good proverb. But Proverbs, it's, it's an old book. It's a very old book. Now, I wonder if being such an old piece of ancient Near East history, if this is a, a, an appealing thing for you or a deterrent for you. See, these are old words, old words, preserved for ages of human history, preserved and practiced for centuries. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, hold on, but isn't new better? Isn't new always better? You know, new tech, the new release, the new model that's just come off the production line. We've progressed. We've moved on, man. We're the wise ones. I've been listening to this podcast. Well, for the original readers, they don't really care so much about new. Old is good. Old is good. Old wine is good. Old cars are good. Am I right? Yeah, come on. Old faithful. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, this wisdom of God has been known and it's been tried and it's been tested and it's been trusted for a long, long time. And yes, these Proverbs are old words and maybe that flies in the face of today's culture, but the Proverbs are the OG. They're the first memes, timely insights of illustrated truth. Meaty metaphors, memorable sayings with feeling, recorded and ordered for us today so that we would keep the book open on the kitchen table and so have time to marinate in them, stew on them and roll them over and over and over in our minds. They should always be there. And we should be people who are living reactively and proactively from them. So as we start today, um, our first opening seven verses of this book are actually going to give us the overall shape of how we're going to begin our exploration over the next few weeks. Today is more of an introductory talk on, my hope is that you will have a hunger to be like, yeah, need to get me some proverbs, need to open up the book and read through those chapters and get me some wisdom. Come on, yes, Proverbs, please. I'm going to start tonight. But this book, we, as we start today, we want to ask a few questions. Why this book? Why would we bother reading this book? Secondly, we want to think about who is it for? Where do we start? And what is its ultimate end? Why this book? Who is it for? Where to start and its ultimate end? And actually, these first seven verses really answer those first three questions that we've already thought about. See why this book, if you follow on the back of your handout or in your physical Bible, why this book? To know wisdom, it says, and instruction, to understand words of insight, to, 
to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, with equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the, to the youth. Why this book? That's why. I don't mind a bit of prudence. I don't mind a bit of knowledge. I don't mind being able to know how to act with justice and equity. Who is it for? Can I include myself in that? Well, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. Listen in. These words can be yours. And where do we start? Verses 6 and 7, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So why this book? Who is it for? Where to start and its ultimate end? How much do you want to explore the wisdom of God? Proverbs, it's a book inspired by God. It's a book of wisdom, the practicalities of life, to do life well. Anyone not want to do life well? And it seems that our world today has turned its back on God and the wisdom of God, though, hasn't it? It seems that to be a decline in wanting to hear the voice of God. But at the same time, there are more platforms than ever for everyone to make their voice heard. Listen to everyone and everything except the one who made everyone and everything. Seems to be the state of humanity today. But logically, if you really want to know about the world you live in, I think we should look to the one who made it. If you do uh, branch out this week and open the pages of this book to the book of Proverbs, uh, you'll discover that it's a beautiful book. It's colourful. It's playful. It's intriguing. It invites us to look at the world and to think about the world and how it works. You'll also discover that it's actually quite hard to read. It won't flow. And that's actually really intentional. It should be like visiting a museum. What's the best way to walk through a museum? An art gallery. All the ways. <laughs> All the ways. That's the best way. Everything is designed to make you slow down, to look again. What's that? You didn't notice that before. To pass and go turn down another corridor and to look to think, to ponder, to reflect, to look at other things and then come back and go past the same picture again and be like, oh, that looks... didn't see it in that light before. And it's, it's designed in a way to read with others and pull along, bring a friend along and be like, did you notice that? I really love that. Oh, really? I really like that part of that picture in the gallery. And sometimes it's really cool to see two pictures sitting next to each other and how they play off on one another. And you think, what was going through the artist's, designer's, creator's mind when this was put onto paper or canvas for us? It's a creative book. And we had to marinate in it 
and to digest it. Luke Nelson says the book of Proverbs is like a boiled lolly. Don't bite down on it and try to consume it quickly. You'll break your teeth. You need to keep it in your mouth and slowly roll it over your tongue. Slowly let it dissolve and let all of the flavours come out. I love that picture. It's worth noting too that as you read through the Proverbs, after you get past chapter 9, you go, oh, okay, it's quite, you know, short little bang, 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 bang statements. But be aware, they aren't simple fortune cookie answers, okay? These are sophisticated insights into the reality of this world. Proverbs, as you read it, it will point out the patterns of life and will leave you to exercise your muscles, your grey matter and heart matter in asking the right questions in order to make the right decisions. If you are to read through the book of Proverbs, or if you have before, you've probably had this experience like, oh, whoa, yeah, huh, that's so true. I should have done it like that, if you're anything like me. And the reason for that is as you read through Proverbs, you discover that it's not this distant, conceptual few words that are a commentary on things. It's Wisdom is not just a skill to you to exercise, but it's a moral law that God has baked into society. Like gravity, you, can, you can't see it, but you can see its effect and its engagement on our decisions in life. That's like what wisdom is, as it's talked about in the book of Proverbs. For example, we all know what injustice is, don't we? We don't have to explain to someone the concept of it's not fair. Anyone got kids? Anyone work with people that act like kids? It's not fair. Why do they have these refrains? Why do we have these feelings? We don't have to get taught this. This this is because of the moral influence of wisdom in our world, isn't it? things that we can feel and see. And wisdom is like the wood grain of this world and you can go against it, but man, you want to be going with the grain. And that's really important to acknowledge that wisdom is this thing that undergirds us all. Because one thing when you come to this book is you'll be tempted to memorize all of these little rote sayings and you want to put them on your fridge, on the back of your toilet door, and these are all really good things to do. Fill up the back of the toilet door with Proverbs. It'd be amazing. But memorization of just the Proverbs won't be enough. It's the right application of the wisdom that makes them useful. A list of standalone sayings that sit in your subconscious is not what God wants you to see when you read the book of Proverbs. Anything simply learnt by rote, unless your thinking is engaging and then leading to doing and leading to application, it can very easily be rebranded and misrepresented. We see this a lot in our world today, this moral law of wisdom that we feel. Um, Charlatans will take these recognisable refrains and uproot them from their surface-level thoughts and begin to appeal to feelings that are similar in order to self-promote an unjust cause. 
Proverbs need to be held together. They're not to be ripped out of context on their own. That is, you know, we see this in society. People appeal to the felt law of wisdom in love to say love is love and build an argument on that, ripping it out of context. People appeal to the felt law of wisdom in life, appealing to things like suicide rates to justify politics. And on the surface level, if you're not willing to engage and to think and to take in the whole counsel of God and to think about what the Proverbs are actually saying and how they're to be used, they kind of sound like wisdom, but they're not. They're the oldest play in the devil's handbook to redefine what God has said and to just take a little snippet of it and then use it for a selfish purpose. The wisdom we get from the book of Proverbs over these next few weeks and as you continue to read and digest for yourself needs to be slowly digested and it needs to be taken in with the rest of the whole counsel of God to be read in context with consideration. I would highly recommend to you the podcast of The Bible Project, which gives a great summary of all of the wisdom literature as it exists in the Bible. Don't just take Proverbs. Take Job. Take Ecclesiastes. Even dip into the Song of Solomon. Because wisdom is not just knowledge, not just shallow, rote, learned saying, it's a skill. You see, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing don't put it in a fruit salad. You can technically know how to use a hammer, but the craftsman and the person that has the life skill That is the person that knows how to apply that knowledge. That's the wisdom of using that tool, isn't it? And it's worth noting this over the next few weeks as you engage in this stuff in your gospel communities and you read and talk about it with people over coffee this week. The Proverbs, they'll express these general truths in absolute forms. General truths in absolute forms. They'll often describe realities without endorsing the reality. And always it's worth remembering within general truths, there are always exceptions. Just like with English Proverbs, we know this. In this, you know, in the same thought, we can think many hands make light work and too many cooks spoil the broth. So do you want many cooks to call, to make the broth so that there's light hands? But if you do that, it's spoiled. So which proverb is it? You see how you need to correctly apply the proverb at the right time. You can't, you've got to be really careful with how we're using this wisdom. It can stand on its own, but wisdoming, the wisdoming of wisdom is the skill of being able to hold many proverbs together in life and apply the right ones at the right time with the right motivation, right time, right one, right motivation, motivation. And so as you read through the book of Proverbs, please please be careful. Please be careful. When you find something that you might want and is now convenient for you, be careful that you don't be a fool 
and misapply the words of wisdom in Proverbs to a self-centered scenario in order to biblically justify or spiritually vindicate yourself to get your way. Be careful. Part of the skill of reading Proverbs is holding them all in tension to sit with them in their contradictions and complexities. As the writer encourages us, as the writer of Proverbs says, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. How are we going? Do you want to read Proverbs yet? Do you want to get some wisdom? Do you want to hear from God? Some cool things to notice just in thinking about this series, about God and Proverbs. You know what's cool? God gives us Proverbs. How cool is that? He gives us Proverbs. God's not some far off, distant, you know, ruling dictator withholding knowledge and coercing the world to his every whim and purpose. He's like, no, I want you to have some skills and to put this into practice. I don't want you to have to live a life of paying the dumb tax and trial and error with heaps of error. It's like, let me show you the way. He doesn't withhold knowledge. You know, from all of the wisdom that we see in creation around us, and when you read of the character of God through the Bible and you see his impatient engagement with us and humanity and evidence of his personality, you know, God gives to the world, he gives people the opportunity to live a wise life. He doesn't withhold that. Like, how generous is that? How good is that? I love that. Like, that struck me again this week. I'm like, God, you're awesome. You're just like, just generously giving knowledge. They say knowledge is power. He's giving us power for life, to enjoy living like him, to know that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If anyone has right to give a harsh word back to our complaining, it's God. So often, how often does he instead give a gentle answer? He gives his wisdom to us. He says, fools show their annoyance at once. Fools will show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. How many times have you sort of cried out to God in an honest prayer? Be like, you suck, God. Why, God? This is dumb. Imagine if God was there like a fool showing his annoyance at once. It's like, I gave you breakfast this morning. I'm still giving you oxygen right now. Your heart is beating because of me. He doesn't do that. The prudent overlooks an insult. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to have his character. He wants us to be shaped and be conformed into his image. I love how God wants his people to be wise. He's not a callous king, keeping his subjects in the dark so he can exploit them. He wants them to embody the same values that guide his lifestyle. Kingdom of God living. So generous. And as you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll discover this, that God's way of life, it's intensely practical. You'll discover that, discover that God's way of life is a happy way of life. You'll discover that God's way of life is a useful way of life. You'll discover that God's way of life is a deliberate and disciplined way of life. And you'll discover that God's way of life is available to all. It's available to all. Why this book? Who's it for? Well, if it's not already obvious, who are these words for? 
us, humanity. You know, I think this is one thing we can all agree on. Humanity needs wisdom. Humanity needs wisdom. We need instruction. Can we accept that? Can we humble ourselves for a moment and be like, yeah, we haven't all got it figured out. Like as much as people will want to say, you be you and follow your heart. Sorry, I won't do that so sarcastic. As much as people would like to say, you be you and follow your heart. See, that's me doing nuance. That's terrible advice. We need direction. Like imagine if you've got a little baby that's just been born and you're like, you be you, man. Follow your heart. I affirm you. Like. I'll subscribe to your sounds. Imagine what we would be like without school. Imagine what we would be like without a mum or dad to teach us basic human manners. Imagine what we would be like without a society that's willing to guide us and correct us in just basic morality. It'd be a disaster. We'd, I would be a disaster. I'll talk for a minute. I'd be a disaster. <laughs> yes, like we already have an inbuilt sense of justice and morality, but God doesn't leave us up to ourselves to just figure it out over a span of 80 years. He doesn't leave us in the lurch to bumble around. He gives us insight from eternity to past, present, and future. That's awesome. We need direction and God gives direction. And he does, he gives it to us as our king and our creator. Because each of us at every, at some point in our life, we'll all ask a variation of these questions as we go through life. We'll inevitably ask these questions. We'll ask, how can I be good? We'll ask, who am I? We will ask, where am I supposed to be going? We will ask, am I loved? We will ask, am I valuable? We will all ask, will I provide something meaningful from my life? We will all ask, if we get to the opportunity to reflect at the end, we will ask, have I lived a full life? And some people don't get to ask that. And God gives us Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the Bible to help, to help us understand the riddles of life. As the writer writes, walk with the wise and become wise. For companions of fools suffers harm. So often humanity is so foolish. Aren't we? I know I am. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. Are you about telling people what you think or listening to what God has to say? Proverbs 12, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Are you willing to listen to this ancient book from an eternal God? To know wisdom and instruction, words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning. 
and the one who understands obtain guidance. Why this book? Who's it for? Where to start? The wise are marked by an intellectual and practical ability to live in accordance with God's design. They embody righteousness, they embody integrity, they embody diligence, and they embody generosity. You get all of that out of the book of Proverbs. This is who the wise are. So where are you going to start if you'd like to be able to begin to live in this way? Perhaps it's worth asking as you also open up the pages of this book, do you know someone that has an intellectual and practical ability to live in accordance with God's design? Maybe you can ask, do I know someone that embodies righteousness, integrity, diligence, and generosity? Do you know anyone like that? Do you know anyone in the Bible that would be described as the embodiment of wisdom? You can. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You're not reading Proverbs right if you're not thinking about Jesus. The book of Proverbs is going to be trite unless you introduce Jesus. The Bible teaches that all wisdom finds its source in Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, King Jesus, the Son of God, the kind King of God's kingdom. He perfectly embodied and embodies the wisdom of God. It says, King Jesus, the eternal word made flesh. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. That word, word, in the Greek is the word logos. Jesus is the logos. And what does logos mean? It means the logic. It means the insight. It means the revelation of God. Talks about Jesus. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, it tells us in the book of Colossians. In him. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Hey, how you going? I'd like to introduce you to my friend Jesus. Uh, yeah, well, I've been reading a couple of biographies of from him, actually. Um, we've been hanging out a bit, sort of a live by faith, not by sight type of thing. Um, let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Um, in him, uh, he actually hides uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Whoa, is he going to do like a Q&A at some point? I've got some cues for him. Do you say he has all? All of the wisdom, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, that's Jesus. All of it. You want to hang out with Jesus? Man, I love hanging out with Jesus. I want to hear from this Jesus. I want to look at how this Jesus lives. Lord Jesus, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Forget about your priests and your popes and your sages, and your philosophers, and your people who puff themselves up and try to lead. And say, come to me, and I'm the one that's going to show you the way. Subscribe for once a month, and I'll send wisdom directly to your inbox. Like, subscribe, and share. Follow my reels. If you want the wisdom of God, listen to Jesus. Look at Jesus. 
Like take time to meaningfully, thoughtfully slow down, watch him live. Hear him teach. Understand who he says he is. Understand who he, say, who he says he is. This world is so corrupt, a bunch of people that talk about that they know Jesus and they're watching Jesus and Jesus is like this and God is like this and Jesus is like that. They're people that haven't even read the Bible. It's just these Chinese whispers is the character of God. We get some messed up view of actually who Jesus is. He's wise. He's kind. He's caring. He's the embodiment of wisdom. In him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge exist. That's enough for me to get up in the morning and be like, all right, got to get to Jesus. Don't know what to do here. Got to chat to Jesus. (laughs) Not sure if I actually am sensing the right way. Got to talk to other people that know Jesus really well. But more than this, more than just a perfect model of the implementation of wisdom, Jesus is the perfect model of the implementation of wisdom. He's the source of all wisdom. More than the model of wisdom, Jesus is the one who can provide to you the perfect motivation to use the book of Proverbs as well. Not only a model, but also the motivation, also the right means. See, more than the general sense, like you can read through Proverbs, you know, and you can see in its general sense, you know, wisdom will build wisdom and like I can take and pick and choose and that seems good to me. But if you're reading the book of Proverbs to find wisdom for life and you've acknowledged that actually, okay, maybe this God character that the world tells me about is onto something, I might try and listen. If you're there and you're like, you know what, I kind of recognize my need for God's direction in my life. If you're there, it means you're very close to recognizing your need for God's forgiveness for your life. See, it's more than just a longing for God's direction. Before that, you need God's forgiveness. And only Jesus Christ can do that. To live in the kingdom of God, to enter into the kingdom of God, to follow the king of the kingdom of God, to live in the way of God is only via Jesus. See, don't take the king's kingdom and forsake the king. Don't take your precious little pearls of wisdom from God and apply them to just self. If you do that, the Bible, the writer of the Proverbs would say, you are a fool. Don't shoot the message out. Just my study this week, just passing it on. Okay, I love you. I want to say truth. But someone who is not willing to acknowledge God's presence in the room or in the world You can't at the same time take the wisdom of God and think you know better than God. Like, oh, I really like that one, God. Yeah, take that. I'm going to pick and mix my wisdom over here. That suits me really well. And I'm going to go apply that. Don't do that. Won't go well. If you're following the way of the king, you need to bend your knee to the king. And this is where we freak out. This idea of yielding, laying down our sword, laying down our crown, putting up the white flag, saying, look, actually, I'm going to surrender to you now and I will follow you. That's scary, isn't it? What is he going to do? What is the enemy opposition going to do to me? 
What is this mighty, powerful force that can stop the wind and the waves? How are they going to receive me? Want to hear some good news? Do you want to hear why this church exists? The good news is that all who turn to Jesus and ask for forgiveness and say, I've been going my own way and I recognize that that was wrong and I surrender to you and I'm willing to follow, the king receives you with wide open arms, with a smile on his face. And he doesn't throw you into the cells with a bunch of prisoners of war. He throws a robe over you and he puts the family signet ring on your hand and he throws a party and he says, here's my son, here's my daughter. They were lost and now they've been found. Heaven celebrates because the family grows and and people are welcomed in. You get taken in. You get called a son. You get called a daughter. You receive mercy. And the punishment that you know you should have had for all of your wrongdoing, for all of the injustice that you were responsible for, that you're responsible for, do you know what happens to that? Jesus, the embodiment of knowledge and wisdom, he says, yeah, I will take the punishment for you. Yeah, you should be punished. I'll take it for you. Yes, you had a debt that you was outstanding and you had to pay, I'll pay it for you from my own account. Get welcomed in. Welcomed into the family to live out the new kingdom of life, lifestyle in wisdom, with wisdom. And the beauty is, is once you're in, you then get the key to unlocking the right use of wisdom. You get a God-given sixth Sixth sense. There's another dad joke. It's really hard to say what my cousin does for a living. <clears throat> she sells sea cells by the seashore. Sorry. <laughs> Is that too awkward to heavy moment of the sermon? Breathe. Breathe. All right, we're back. Dive back in. Jesus will give you a sixth. Oh, dang it. All right, another dad joke. I'm only joking. Because here's the, you remember the question, where do we start? Where did our reading end? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And a right fear of the Lord is not a tiptoeing around God with terror-filled trepidation, but it's a respectful approach in reverential awe and respect for His holiness. It's a healthy respect. It's a readiness to listen. It's, a, it's knowing the content of who God is, and it's treating God as God with humility. And if you are standing before God and if you are submitting to Jesus and if you are, if you know, like, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Who is this that would forgive me, a sinner? You've already begun to experience the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what often will drop us to our knees and say, have mercy on me, a sinful person. But you follow in the footsteps of Jesus and you receive the gift of his Holy Spirit which changes you from the inside out. You get a brand new perspective on who God is and you become more like Jesus. The prophet Isaiah said, Jesus, 
The spirit of Lord of the Lord rested upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. Sound familiar? Yeah, it gets picked up again back in the book of Colossians. The spirit of the counsel of might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. His delight, Jesus' delight was in the fear of the Lord. He delighted in it. And why? It's because this fear is not about dread, but a deep reverence and awe for God's holiness and majesty that finds its foundation in our relationship with him. The fear of the law, it's not about terror, but it's a a profound reverence for his majesty and holiness, just like Jesus had. The fear of the law is an awe-inspired fear. It leads to wisdom and obedience, which simultaneously awakens a great awareness of God's love because he's called us in to follow him and to have his spirit in us. And we respond with fervent love, just like Jesus did. And a person that has entrusted their life to Jesus, they don't leave the fear of the Lord behind. They bring it with them. The fear of the Lord is a beautiful complement to knowing the love of the Lord. You see, the experience of both of these emotions, they are again and again there to be held together to drive us back to God in order to seek his wisdom, in order that we may honour his holiness and more deeply cherish the boundless love he has freely, graciously, generously, mercifully poured out into our hearts. See, if you are growing in your fear of the Lord, then you are a person who is deepening your humility and understanding of your need for God's intervention and love in your life. And if you are growing in your fear of the Lord, you are also a person who is able to rightly use the Proverbs in the way of wisdom. How does that work? Well, if you're in a posture of reverence, respect, and humility, not in a posture or a pursuit of self-serving, formulaic longevity, then the wisdom that is accessible in the book of Proverbs, the wisdom of God, when the driving motivation is to live it out, not to please you, but to please Him, then the Proverbs are no longer simple life hacks, are they? They are keys to living in such a way that humbly acknowledges that I'm not the king who determines good and evil and right and wrong. But by living according to the Proverbs, we are actually saying we are willing to submit to the one true king who has determined once for all good and evil. And he asks us to respect that even when it might be inconvenient for us. Living with love for God and the right fear of the Lord means we fully affirm that we don't get to determine good and evil for ourselves. But that we're willing to fall in line with what God says is good and how the universe works. And we do this because we have tasted and seen that he is good. (laughs) That we can fall in line. No longer worried to because he's God's for us, who can be against us? 
So the fear of the Lord, it will lead you to look at Jesus. And the fear of the Lord will help you listen to Jesus. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can give you a pure motivation in the means to do wisdom. Motivation. Jesus will set your heart right via the fear of the Lord. And Jesus will give you his Holy Spirit for you to learn and apply and remember the Proverbs as you seek to digest and invest that into your soul. The Holy Spirit will grow your love for Jesus. He'll help you see Jesus. He'll help you understand the Bible as you search for Jesus. And he'll pray with you. And he'll take you to God through Jesus. So why this book? Who is it for? Where to start? And I'm going to close on its ultimate end. Why would God give wisdom to his people? Well, we've thought about it already in many ways. He wants to bless us. He wants to guide us. He wants to empower us. He wants us to live good lives. He wants to spare us from pain and mistakes. So much of it is because of God's love for us. But do you know that living wisely means that you also have an incredible gift to the rest of the world? By you living wisely with the might motivation, knowing that you are loved by God and you have a reverential respect and fear of the Lord, your life in view of God will be shaped so that you have something to offer the world from God. See, historically, what has living living according to the wisdom of God led to? See, what has kingdom of God living led to? What happens when genuine Christian living in humble, sacrificial obedience to God, what does that lead to? What does that look like when it's lived out? What's the result of a revival in a community where the church is taking the gospel into the dark places of the world? What happens? You say, well, there's increased social cohesion. Christianity often promotes a sense of community and social cohesion. There's the unconditional inclusion and love of people into a community so that they can have hope and life both now and forevermore through the person and work of Jesus. So there's also improved literacy and education as kids are taught and loved, as people come and learn around the Bible, as schools are developed. This has just all happened in history, our history. This is what happens when God's people begin to take seriously God's commands. What else happens when the Spirit of God is at work and people start living wisely? Healthcare and social services are developed. Christianity, who are able to live in a wise way and are able to steward their finances well, no longer living for themselves, but living for the blessing of others because they know that they've been blessed by God. Social services are created. Healthcare is created. Babies are saved. Children are cared for. Fathers are equipped. Mothers are loved. Grandparents are served. What else happens when the wisdom of God as people look to Christ and follow him as the one who is the source of all wisdom and knowledge? Moral and ethical values begin to lift up and increase. Children are no longer sacrificed to false gods. Remote tribes that once practiced revenge killings become peace-loving, forgiving peoples. There are behaviours in attitudes, in people's 
issues like in marriages, in families, there's reconciliation, there's restoration, there's love. How good, how good. There's stories of revival and the move of God's spirit into communities. And people are like, what do we do with these empty facilities we used to call prisons? Our police are out of work. People are being cared for. People are being loved. And why are they doing that? Oh, people have begun to realise that actually there's an incredible love that's been poured out by God into their hearts. And they're just like, what do we do with this love? I want to be more like God, more like Christ. I want to take this love to the ends of the earth, telling people about the hope that's in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. That's what the wisdom is for. That's what its ultimate end is. Don't stop with just numero uno, thinking like, oh, now I've got some wisdom. I'll be able to figure out how to, you know, figure out my arguments at home, which is good. Do that. But it doesn't stay in the home. It goes out to all the world. God's plan to Abraham. He's like, I'm going to bless you. You're father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. And everyone because of you is going to be blessed as well. Plan is still being worked out to this day. Jesus comes, Jesus dies for the forgiveness of sins and he offers a fresh start for all peoples. And he's like, look, it's guaranteed, risen from the dead. Pay the penalty for your sins. You have nothing to fear. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Like, seriously, like, what do you guys, what do you got? Like, what can the world throw at you? Why would God give wisdom his, to his people? You can model to the world the way the world should be. You can make the world a better place as you seek to make the thread that God has entrusted straight without knots, without tangles. You can begin that with your own life and then watch the other threads align either side of you. And you can offer to this world a picture of Jesus. The beginning of this world, God made man and women in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And he said, very good. And then we get later on to the new, after sin, after the fall, God's plan carried out. God provides the rescue. And then later it says that you are now going to be conformed into the image of Christ. Image of God on a journey to be the image of Christ, to be little Christs, taking the light of the world wherever we go into our communities. You are a city set upon a hill. Let your light shine so that people may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That is why we want to be wise. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.